Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Amen. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be referencing Psalms here in a little while, but uh, Matthew chapter 5 this morning, continuing our series on uh, what a Christian should be, what a Christian should be, and this morning, microphone over here, this morning, uh, I believe a Christian should be meek, a Christian should be meek, and that's what we're going to talk about today from Matthew chapter 5, and notice it says here, Matthew chapter 5, we're in the Beatitudes, and look at what it says in verse 5, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, I'll read it to you again one more time, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, you'll notice uh, that's a, a reference to Psalm 37, verse 11, which is in our Bible reading this morning. But here's what I want to start with here. We're going to talk about meekness, all right? We're talking about meekness. Um, I think meekness is a word that is often misunderstood because it's a word or something that people often associate with quietness or even cowardice. Uh, someone who is meek, they believe, is cowardly. Or someone who is meek, they believe, is should be quiet or, or gentle. And, and there is some aspects of the quietness involved. But because of this, the word is often seen as weak. Uh, I see basically meekness is associated with weakness, and that's where it comes across. But I don't believe that's the case, as we'll see here this morning. And today I hope to show you uh, what meekness is, the scriptural word here, what meekness is, and how meekness can make you happy. And when you are meek before the Lord, then the Lord will bless your heart and you can be happy in the world today. So I'm going to try to answer three questions this morning. Uh, the first one will be, what is meekness? We're going to see what it is. What is meekness? Uh, the second question is, what are some fruits of meekness? Uh, what can we see as far as what meekness produces in the life of someone who is walking with God or someone who is meek? And then finally, why are the meek happy? Why are the meek happy? So let's look here at verse 5. It says, blessed are the meek. Uh, happy, that word means happy. Happy are the meek. Or uh, Here he says, for they shall inherit the earth. So let's begin with getting an understanding of what this is. What is, what is meek? What is meekness? What does it mean to be meek? Uh, the word meek uh, basically means humility. That's what you'll find in most dictionaries. But there's more to the meaning than just humility, and I'll explain myself here this morning. The Greek word is a, it's pros, or P-R-A-U-S, probably mispronounced it, I'm not a Greek scholar, not even close to it. But what we find is the Greek word is a general word. It was used throughout the Greek language during this time uh, uh, for several things, not, not just here scripturally. They used it in their writings. We find it in several of their writings. And here are three ways that it, we find it being used that I think will help us get a good understanding of what it is. One of the ways we find it being used is referring to what we, they would call a good medicine. They would use this word meek, a soothing medicine, a good medicine or a soothing medicine. Another way that you would find it is when they were referring to an animal that was tamed. Not wild, but an animal that was tamed. This word was associated with that. And then here's a third way. When the wind was gentle or calm, like a calm breeze or a gentle breeze, you'd also find the word associated uh, in the writings of the Greeks with that. Which makes it kind of interesting, does it not? Because let me uh, give you some things to think about on this. 
that we can consider for a moment. Uh, let's go back. Let's start first with medicine. Medicine. Uh, you know, drugs are powerful. And if used incorrectly, can be dangerous. can be deadly, right? But medicine can also be soothing. It can help you out. Uh, it can heal. There, there are medicines out there that are used wisely can, can heal the body, can help you out. You see, what it amounts to, it's the power of the medicine under control. Used wisely, used correctly. That's the word here, meek. Uh, here's the other example. We have animals being tamed. Now, I know there are people that ride bulls and wild horses. I don't know what's wrong with them, but they ride those things. Uh, I wouldn't get on one. Uh, but, you know, uh, they're, they're dangerous. But a horse that's tamed, it's because of the what we call the tamed horse that America was able to settle the West fast because they're able to travel, uh, they can work. You see, a tamed horse is, is good. It's beneficial. And then the other one, how about the wind? A calm breeze. You know, wind is powerful. You know, I grew up in Colorado, and we didn't have very many tornadoes where I grew up. We, we were right at the foothills where I grew up, so if the tornadoes came, they were farther in the east. Uh, and I remember growing up, I always thought it would be neat to see a tornado. I didn't want to be in one, but to see one, I thought, man, you, know, you see it on the news, man, I'd like to see one of those. Then I moved down here, and I see the results of big tornadoes. You know, you go to the Museum of Discoveries, they got that tornado room and all. I tell you, I don't want to see one anymore. I, I see the results, and I'm good. You know, I don't want to see a tornado because they are powerful, they're mighty, they're dangerous, and they're deadly. But you know what? I enjoy the cool breeze that comes in the evening, right? A gentle breeze. See, what we find with this word, the word meekness, someone has described it this way, it's power under control. It's power under control. Uh, it's not weakness, by the way. It's not weakness. It's strength in self-control is what it is. You, you have self-control. And when you have self-control, you're strong is what it is. There's strength there. There's power. You know, there's power in the wind, but there's when it's controlled, when there's a breeze there, it's nice. There's power in medicine or drugs. But when controlled, it's beneficial. And, and that's what this word is. So humility, meekness, is it is humility. It is humility. And I think meekness is best seen uh, in what we'd call the attitudes towards another. When I mean by an attitude towards another, maybe uh, the attitude towards someone that is active towards you. Let me give you some examples here. You, we see meekness... When a child obeys their parents, there's meekness there. There's a submission, there's humility to their authority, and, and there's meekness. Or how about a student with a teacher? There's some meekness there. If they're willing to sit and listen and learn, they're displaying meekness. They're humbling themselves. They're submitting their powers under control because they're submitting there to their teacher. Or even we can take it to the work world when an employee uh, displays meekness when they follow the directions of their employer or, or their manager or their, someone that's uh, above them in authority. They display meekness when they submit. See, there's power under control. They choose to submit. Now, how about with God? Because I think that's what this is referring to. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And, and you'll notice in verse 3, here's the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we talk first about the poor in spirit. And then the second one is, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So you have the poor in spirit who realize that they are poor, they're lowly, they've been brought down low. And, and then second, they that mourn, which, by the way, the poor in spirit, once they realize it, are mourning because they realize, I've sinned, I've got sin here. And then we carry into the third one, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who take the first two and act upon it. 
they realize I have sinned. There's sin there, and there's a submission now. There's a what we call submission to authority, the understanding that God is the authority. And that's what meekness is. It's a power under control. Because you know what? You don't have to submit this morning. God has given you a choice. You don't have to submit to Him. But when you submit and you choose to bow down before God, then you are meek before the Lord. That's, that's meekness before God. So it's when you humble yourself before God. Let's go over to the book of James. I'll show you a passage here. The book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'll begin reading in verse 19. He says here, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Notice it says, receive with meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And then he goes on to say, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. That's interesting that he would say, receive it with meekness. The reason he put that in there, I believe the spirit put that in there is because to receive God or to receive the word or the teachings of God, you have to submit yourself to God. There has to be a, a level of humility that comes into your heart that you are bowing down to God and you're receiving his direction. His word. You know, it's in His word that we find out who He is, right? Right here, the Bible. If you have a Bible, you have God's word to you. And in this Bible, God will tell you who He is. You'll find out who He is. You'll find out what He expects. You'll also find out who you are, because it tells, tells us about sin and our sinful nature. And then we find that He gives direction to us in His word. Well, that's where the meekness comes in. Because you can submit and say, yes, I see that. Now I'm going to submit to God, I'm going to bow down to Him, and I'm going to receive what He has. Uh, I think the best example, of course, would be salvation. You know, God has provided a way for people to be saved. John chapter 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God looked down upon the world and saw the world in need because of sin. Because of sin that has come in. And that's why God sent His Son, because there was a need. And God sent His Son to die on the cross. Whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, God has sent His Son so that you can be saved. So you can have everlasting life. You have to understand you sin and then repent, which is turn from that sin and trust in Christ. But, but here's the problem that I think most people find themselves in, is that what we call that submission part. They don't want to bow down before God. They don't want to receive the gift that God has given. Maybe it's because there's some pride there. They want to continue the way they're going. They think they, they're going to lose out on something. They don't want to receive the way Christ, the way God has sent. Or some have been what we call confused, and they're involved in thinking they got to work their way and get there with their deeds. You know, I've seen, you know, I do enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds and I'll be okay. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that God has sent His Son to everyone who believeth. And His Son died on the cross, took your place, 
paid the price for sin. What you have to do is receive him now. And part of receiving him is a level of humility. Because you, when you bow down and you receive Christ, you realize that I can't do it. I need help. And I need God's help. See, that's meekness before God is what that is. Meekness to accept uh, His Word. And so we find that here. That's, that's, that's meekness before the Lord. Let me give you another one here. Matthew chapter 11. Let's go to Matthew 11. And uh, we'll look at verse 29 here. Matthew chapter 11. And this is the passage of what we call uh, the great invitation from Christ to all those to come unto Him. Matthew 11 says uh, here in verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, For I am meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now it's interesting here that he says, I am meek. You know, Jesus is meek. We'll talk about that here in a little bit when we give some examples. But he submitted his will to God the Father. And he left us an example that we could follow. And he says, come unto me, for I am meek and lowly. In other words, you come unto me and I'll give you the help you need. I'll give you the rest you need. You can set aside those burdens and those cares and you come unto me and I'll take care of things. You see, it's Christ who gives us the the help that we need, which is salvation, receiving him as our savior. But then afterwards, going to him with the cares and concerns that we might have as we live down here in this world today. So a meek person really is someone who understands their true condition before God. That's, that's a meek person. They understand their true condition before God. They're poor in spirit. They're mournful because of their sinful condition. And they need God and they know it. They need God and they know it. That's someone who is meek before the Lord. Need God and they know it. So they humble themselves before God and they seek Him. Whether it's for salvation or after they're saved. We must continue to be meek and seek the Lord's help. Now that leads me to my second thought here this morning, the second question I hope to answer. Uh, what are some of the fruits of meekness? What are fruits of meekness? And what I mean by this is, what do we see as far as meekness in someone's life? What are some of the things that should stand out or should be there as a Christian uh, as far as meekness? Now, I'm going to tell you this right up front as I was preparing this. These I'm going to give you about four of them here. These are hard. All right, I'll just be honest with you. These are going to be easy to preach, but they're hard to practice. And I'll give them to you because they're things we have to deal with all the time. Uh, here's the first one. We have to be willing to wait upon God. Someone who is meek is someone who's going to wait upon God. You know, they're going to look to God. They're going to submit to God. Now, here's the example. Let's go over to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2. What I'm going to do this morning, I'm just going to give you a few of these, and then I'll give you an example in the scriptures of how we find someone who was meek and was able to, in this case, wait upon God. So let's go over to the book of 2 Samuel this morning, and we'll look at chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 2. And as you're heading there, let me just give you a bit of a background here. because So we have context. Uh, I don't have time to go all the way back uh, this morning through all the context on this one. But let me just give you a bit of a background. We have David. Okay, David was called to be the next king of Israel, and he knew it. He was already anointed. He was already chosen. That was a promise that God gave him. But he didn't take the throne the next day. It would be several years before he became king of Israel. And during that time, he had to wait upon God. I struggle with waiting. I don't know about any of you. I like to have the blessings right away. It's nice to pray and see the answers. But there are times that God wants us to wait. And when we wait, that's a 
fruit of meekness. Let's look Second Samuel chapter two. Second Samuel chapter two. I want to just show you just one example of David being patient and waiting upon God. Uh, for the Lord to work. It says in chapter 2, verse 1, it came to pass after this. After this means uh, King Saul, who was the king at the time, had been killed in battle, and so had his son Jonathan. And now, basically, Israel had no king. All right, the battle had finished. It says, and after this, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. So David went up thither, his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And his men that were with him did David bring up, every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Here's what I want to point out to you. Okay, so David's told he's going to be the king of Israel. He's already been anointed. Everything's set in place. And then the king of Israel is killed in battle. Jonathan, his son, is also killed. Both are out of the way. David very easily could have said, okay, I'm going to take the throne. Hey, I'm the next king. I'm anointed. I'm going to go in and I'm going to let him know. Have you felt that way before? But you know what he did? He talked to God first. I want to encourage you to talk to God. Take things to the Lord before you act. He talked to God. And he asked God, should I go into the cities of Hebron? Or Judah, excuse me, Judah. He didn't even ask to go all the way up in Israel. He began with Judah. And God said, yes, go. And so he went. But the point being here is David was willing to wait upon God. He didn't get out in front. He didn't do his own thing. He didn't do what he thought was best. Now, he was active. And folks, let me tell you, if you want to associate weakness with David, you'd pick the wrong person. This man was mighty. He was powerful. He was a leader. At this point, he'd already defeated not only Goliath, but several armies of the Philistines and others. So we're talking about a warrior here. But this man submitted himself to God. See, that's what meekness is. Power under control. Power under control. And that's what we have to do, loved ones. We've got to submit ourselves to God. We've got to say, Lord, okay, maybe there's something you say, yeah, I can go do this. Well, go to God. Make sure it's good for you to do this. Make sure God wants you to do this. And submit to God's direction before you just go and do it. You may find that, yes, God wants you to go. Or you may find that God says, not yet. Or... Just go so far, and I'll take care of the rest. And that's actually what happened to David. He went into Judah. The men of Judah accepted him as king, but it would take a few more years before all of Israel would accept him as king. Now, had he went in and just tried to claim the throne, he probably would have had a civil war on his hands, had all sorts of problems. But he wisely waited upon God. That's what I want to encourage you with. Meekness is waiting upon God. And that's something we got to do every day, wait upon God. And maybe this morning there's something that you're waiting upon. Now, again, it's not saying don't be active. David was extremely active. He did a lot of things during this time. But what he could not take care of, he waited. There may be something in your life that you just, you know what, you, you're doing everything you can. Now you just got to wait. Well, just wait. Don't try to manipulate something. Don't try to force it. Just trust God will take care of it. And then the Lord will, will bless. Here's the second one. Let's move on to my, my second example here as far as a fruit of meekness. Let's go to Genesis 13. Okay, Genesis 13. And as you're heading that direction, uh, I want to bring your attention to We'll talk about Abraham this morning. Abraham. We're going to give an example of meekness with Abraham. You know, someone who is meek is willing to walk with God. And they're willing to consider others above themselves. And that's something I want to point out here this morning. This one's hard. okay? Because it's easy to say, I want what I want. I want my rights. I want this. But we find a man who is meek here. Genesis chapter 13. If you would, Genesis chapter uh, 13. 
And I'll begin reading here. Let me find my passage, Genesis 13. And it says here in verse 5, And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Okay, let me give you a picture here of what's going on. You have Abram who's been called into the land. All right, God has called him in, and he followed. Lot just tagged along, basically, all right, which is fine. And then they get in the land, and they find where they are. Well, they got some problems. They both are, are, are growing, their herds are growing, they get more workers, more servants, and there's strife now. There's some fighting going on between them. Abram had, I guess you would say the authority, probably the power, most believe he probably had bigger herds and more men, to probably go to Lot and say, Lot, how about you just go find another place? You tagged along anyway. God's called me here. How about you go find another place? But you know what he did? He gave him the choice. He said, if you want this side, if you want the left, you take the left. If you want the right, you take the right, and I'll take the other. You know what Lot should have done? Lot should have said, no, Abram, you take it. But Lot wasn't very meek at this point, right? Later, we're going to find out, you know, if you read through the Bible, you'll find that he got himself into some trouble. But it was Abram who showed the meekness. He didn't demand to have it his way. He didn't demand to get what he wanted. He said, Lot, you take what you want, and then I'll take the other. You know what meekness does? Meekness considers other people. Meekness doesn't have to be the one who gets everything that they want to demand their rights. You know, you know, we're fine here that he cared about Lot. He wanted Lot to have the choice. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. I don't think that's a suggestion that God's given us. I think God wants us to be kind to each other. He wants us to be kind to our family, our friends, our church members, our co-workers. He wants us to be kind. That's, that's a sign of meekness, by the way, to, to be kind to somebody. And that's a fruit of meekness. When there's meekness in the heart, there's going to be kindness to follow. Now, when someone, a Christian, is unkind, then there's probably not much meekness, really. They're, they're struggling with some things in their heart, and because of that, the kindness is missing. Abram was kind. He, he, he let Lot go first, and so that's a sign of meekness. Uh, you know, the world's tough enough as it is. That's my thought. I don't think Christians should make it any tougher for, for each other. All right, We should be kind to one another and try to encourage one another as we go through this world. Here, here's the, the, the third one. Let's go to Genesis 45. Now, I told you some of these would be tough to, to do. Here, here's one I think is really tough. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, a, a someone who is meek is someone who is willing to forgive. In other words, they are willing to follow God's way and say, I forgive you. Instead of holding grudges or trying to pay somebody back with vengeance. Notice Genesis 45. This is an example of Joseph. Genesis 45, we find here, uh, beginning in verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. He wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? 
His brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Okay, if you're looking for one of the, the best examples of forgiveness in the Bible, this is probably it. Right here, one of the best. There's others, there's, there's others, but this is one of the best. You have a man who had been slighted. Okay, I, I guess that's probably using it a little bit lightly. His brothers at first wanted to kill him. Some of them did. They planned on just killing him. And then they thought, well, you know, we can't get nothing out of that. So how about we sell him? We get some money for him. And so they take their brother and they sell him. And then these men turn around, they lie to their dad all these years, pretty much believe Joseph is out of the way. They figure he's probably dead by now or he's gone. I have brothers, and I thank the Lord they never sold me. They probably wanted to at times. But you know, wouldn't it be hard to forgive someone who did that to you? Someone who absolutely changed your life? Someone who took away the blessings that you might have had? Now think about this. The blessings he could have had with his dad, his father, his family. All those were taken away from him because of their evil conduct. Now maybe there's someone here this morning you can relate. Maybe someone's hurt you. Maybe you're here and there's somebody in your past that has hurt you in a way like this. They did something to you that just it broke your heart. or And eventually made you angry. Made you upset. Well, we find here when Joseph reunites with his brethren, about 13 years later, it took a while, he forgave them. He forgave them uh, to the point where he brought them into the land. He saved their lives. Uh, one of the brothers, Judah, he actually, you know, I was about to say he didn't throw anyone into prison, but he did kind of put him in jail for a little bit. But when he was there, he treated him as a king. He gave him everything he would want to take care of him while he was testing his brothers. You know what we find? Forgiveness. That's what meekness is. Meekness is willing to forgive somebody. It's power under control. You know what Joseph could have done? He could have sent all these men. He probably could have had them executed, truthfully. We're talking about Egypt here, all right? And he's the second man in control. I'm sure once he told Pharaoh and the others, hey, you know what they did to me? I'm sure they all would have said, you know what, Joseph, take care of them. He probably could have had them all executed on the spot. Nobody would have said a word. Probably the whole entire nation would have agreed with him and said, you're doing the right thing. Power under control. I'm not going to give them what they deserve. I'm going to forgive them and give them what God wants me to give them. You know, the Bible also tells us Ephesians chapter 4. I read the first part to you here a second ago. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Here's the second part. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Again, that's not a suggestion, folks. We're to forgive one another. We're to forgive. And why? Because Christ has forgiven us. That's why we're to forgive. We're to forgive one another. You know, every day I thank God for forgiving me of my sin. Forgiving me of my sin. If you're saved here this morning, you've been forgiven. That's what salvation is. It's being forgiven of your sin. You don't have to pay that penalty. You've been forgiven of your sin. So he says, since you've been forgiven, then you should forgive others. You know, it's Peter. Peter's the one who in the Bible went to Christ and said, Lord, how many times do we have to forgive somebody? Now, I don't know if he was asking that one to know a certain amount of times or, or if he had someone in mind that he just thought, you know, when can I retaliate? When can I get things straight? 
and the Lord said, you know, he gave him an example seven times, you know, uh, 70, you know, 490 is what it equals out to. But then he followed that with a parable, which actually, if you did the number on the parable, it's about 300,000 times more than that. In other words, the point being, forgive others. Be willing to forgive them. Forgive them of maybe their offenses, their words they say to you, something they've done. You know, if you hold on to something, you're just going to hurt yourself is all that's going to happen. Be willing to forgive. And some say, well, pastor, uh, you know, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you're right, I don't. But I know you still can forgive them. And he, he may say, well, pastor, they never asked forgiveness. Well, that's fine, but you can still forgive them in your heart. And let them deal with that between them and God. But you make sure you have forgiveness in your heart. And if you're here this morning and you're struggling with that, that's something to take to God this morning. Talk to him about that. Talk to him about forgiveness. God will help you with that. And a meek person is someone who is willing to forgive. Here's the last one I have for an example. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I think someone who's meek is willing to uh, withstand what we call offenses or wrongdoings. And uh, the best example of that, obviously, is Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles as you're heading there, I want to talk to you about the examples of Christ. Now, I don't have the time this morning to go through all the examples of Christ's meekness because we'd be here all day long and probably all week long because there are example after example of Jesus Christ showing himself meek while he's here on earth. But I want to read this to you and then give you uh, one example of his meekness that I think we can be encouraged by. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, uh, we find here in verse 19, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you, you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead for sins should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You know, I think the greatest example of strength under control in the history of the world... I know that's a, that's a big statement, but I'm gonna, I believe I can back it up. Is the moment when Christ went to the cross. The Son of God humbling himself and going to the cross is the greatest example of meekness that you will ever find. The greatest example of power under control. Let's uh, look at one verse here, Matthew chapter 26. I want to point out one thing to you. Matthew chapter 26. And after reading this, I think we should have a greater appreciation for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 52. Matthew 26, uh, we have here Peter. Peter's always in a lot of these, is he not? You know, and, and usually it's not with meekness. He's he's just going, but he's learning. He's learning. Uh, you know, I'm going to throw this in there. How many of you feel like Peter sometimes? You're learning. 
You know, we've got to learn to be meek, and that's part of the process. He's learning. But notice it says here in verse 52, Then said Jesus unto him, uh, well, verse 51, Behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched forth out his hand, drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. The Gospel of John tells us Peter is the one who did this. He's, he reacted, and he, he uh, attacked him. Then said Jesus unto him, Put again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? And how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out as against me as a thief with swords? Now notice here. Let me, let me stop here. Peter reaches out, reacts. Jesus stops him and says, You don't think I can't stop this? You don't think I can't call 12 legions of angels right now and they'd come down? Uh, by the way, it, the Bible tells us it's only, it's only going to take one angel to bind up Satan and throw him into, into hell, forever the lake of fire. So if God can give one angel that power, if you meant 12 legions of angels coming down, he didn't need 12 legions of angels, but he's saying I could call them if I want to, but I'm not going to because that's not the will of God the Father. The will of God the Father is that I lay down my life that I die for your sin. You talk about power under control. Man, I tell you what, this makes me feel guilty all the time because I've been offended and if I could call 12 legions of angels, I would already call them out. Christ is power under control. And, and this is just one example, loved ones. Throughout, not only the Gospels, but especially his last week when he suffered, humiliated, he restrained himself. And gave us an example of meekness. So here's the challenge for us. You know, obviously the challenge for us is to humble ourselves before God, as Christ did. Humble yourself this morning before God. Now this morning, that may be to be saved. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've been relying on something. Maybe you've been holding on to something or holding back for some reason. And maybe for you this morning that... That submission is receiving Christ, saying, Your way, God, not mine. Your way. You have provided salvation. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to receive you as my Savior and ask you into my heart. That's salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and someone here needs to get that taken care of. Uh, but maybe you're here and you're saved. And for you this morning, it's not, it's not salvation, but it's just submitting to God in your life in some area. Maybe there's some area you're holding on to. Some area that you're being stubborn with. Some area that you're just being selfish. And, and you say, you know, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. Lord, it's yours. Help me out with this. Uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Let me point out to you something here. Romans chapter 6 this morning. In verses 11 through 14. Romans chapter 6. He says here in verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves, he says here, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Notice what he says. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. You know, Christian, here this morning, yield yourself unto God. Submit unto God. That has to be done every day. 
All right. Maybe every moment, maybe there's something comes up where you say, you know, I just got to, I got to yield unto God with this. I got to seek the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. I need God's help. Just yield unto God. Seek Him instead of opposing Him. You know, I want to wrap it up. I have one more question to answer and I just want to answer it quickly here this morning. Why are the meek happy? Let's go back to, 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 to Matthew 5. And notice it says, blessed are the meek. Happy. That word means happy. Happy are the meek. Now, at first, this doesn't seem possible, right? Let me, let me explain it. How can someone be happy who waits, who lets others go first, who doesn't pay back others when they deserve it, and endures all sorts of wrongs? How can that person be happy? You know, that's why a lot of people in the world see meekness as weakness, that they just don't understand how someone can be happy, how there can be strength there. And to the world, the meek are nothing really but doormats, I think. They see meekness as being someone who is a doormat, continuously walked on and ran over without receiving anything in return. That's the world's view. But folks, that's the wrong perspective. Okay, Let me give you something to think about here. First off, I guess, is this true? Let's think about it. Is that true? First off, I want to point out something to you. You know all those examples we've read that I had you look at? Those examples? All of them were blessed greatly. They were meek. All of them were strong. All of them could have acted in their own power and strength. They submitted to God, and God blessed them. Did He not? He blessed Abram, he blessed Joseph, he blessed David, he blessed his son, Jesus Christ. Well, God can do the same for you when you submit to him. In other words, wait for God to bring the blessings. Wait for God to work. And the world may think, oh, you're just being ran over. No, I'm just trusting my God to take care of it. I don't need to pay him back. God, God will deal with him in his time and in his way. I'll trust the Lord to handle the matter. I don't need to handle the matter. And that's what meekness is. And so because the meek submit to God... Basically, someone who is meek has an eternal perspective, an eternal view of things. You know, we started off, uh, the Bible reading was Psalm 37. I'll not go back there this morning for time's sake, but it's a quote from that passage. And when you read that passage, you'll notice what in that passage, in that Psalm of David, David is pointing out the, 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 what we call the prosperity of the wicked on earth. But then he's also countering that with God blessing the meek who endure it. And God saying the meek shall inherit the earth. In other words, here's the whole thought in that psalm which carries over to Matthew 5 is, you know the world, those that are in the world, the wicked, you know, they're having their fill today. They're they're living for the world today, right now. That's what they're living for. And you know, when you look around as a Christian or as, as an individual, some may say, well, they're successful. <laughs> they're making the money. They're running the show. They're doing everything. And, and at times it appears that way. And, and, and I'm sure David thought that at times, and so did others. But it's not lasting. That's the point. They're going to leave it behind. It's going to end at some point. David understood that. He got it. Someone who is meek gets it. They understand that. And I'm going to give you one more passage this morning, one more passage, and we'll wrap it up with this. First John. Because John understood this. He got this. And I hope you get it this morning too. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. I'll wait till you get, get over there. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, of course, I think this does refer to the millennial kingdom that's coming. Christ is going to rule on earth for a thousand years. Christians are going to rule with him. 
But it's not going to end there, okay? We have eternity to, to enjoy what God has for us. And that's what this is implying, what this is pointing to. Notice what it says in 1 John chapter 2. He says here, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see, John got it. If you choose to live for this world, it's going to pass away. But if you live for God, and you wait on Him, and you let Him work, the blessings that He can give are eternal. The blessings He gives are eternal. You think about it this way. The meek are happy because they know God has something better for them. That's why they're happy. You can let the world... Go do what they want. And they can even trample on the Christians at times. And they can make things hard. But you know, a meek person knows that God is in control. A meek person is going to wait upon God to bless. Even if that means that we've got to wait till eternity to receive that blessing. A meek person is going to say, God's going to bless me. He's going to make things right. And he will, loved ones. You read through the Revelation, that's what he's doing. He's telling us, I'm going to make things right. Eventually, you just wait. And when that time comes then it's the Christians who will inherit the earth. It's the Christians who will receive the eternal blessings that God has for them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's worth waiting for. And if something is worth waiting for, then that means we can endure some difficulties, we can endure some troubles, we can endure some trials, and we can be happy knowing that God has something better for us. That God is preparing something for you. That God is preparing something for those in your family that are saved. And that is why the meek are happy. You know, this morning, a Christian should be meek. A Christian should be meek. Uh, and if you're meek, then it means you're not contending against God. You're submitting to God. And that also means that you are content with what God has permitted or is allowing. And you're waiting upon Him to work and to bless. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.